went shopping, and I, I told Joy, I said, this is what, this is it. You know, I could go through the whole thing. I said, isn't that something? And she's like, wow, that's really great. And then the next day, Pastor Dan preaches on love versus hate, which is like almost the same thing that God was dealing with me. I'm like, wow. So that is uh, kind of interesting because uh, I didn't change it. It's still going to be on love. This is what I'm going to teach on today. Uh, and we're going to look at uh, three people that uh, Jesus showed love to. But uh, let's pray before we get started. So, Heavenly Father, I just so, just so much thank you, God, for a chance to come and to uh, talk about what you've put on my heart, God, and how you've dealt with me on issues that, you know, sometimes I didn't even see in my own heart. And I just thank you. And that you give me a chance to come here this morning, and I just pray that your will is done here and that you'll help me to speak what you have for me to speak, and that it will be your will, and that hearts will be opened, and we'll receive what you have for us to receive today, Lord. And again, I ask just your will be done. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at uh, three people that Jesus showed love to, and they're different people altogether. And... Uh, if you didn't, this is all my notes. I mean, it's a little bit, you know, it's just, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a long day. No, no, they're huge fonts because I need glasses. So it's really big font. But uh, the first person we're going to look at is uh, Zacchaeus, and we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 19. Am I hitting this too hard? And I'm using my son's Bible because he has the new NIV. And I want to make sure I get, I have the words up there. They're kind of small. But uh, so I'm going to read Zacchaeus chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was his chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to, Zac said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be with the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to the, this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So, what do we know about Zacchaeus? Well, he was short, he's a tax collector, he's wealthy, and he's son of Abraham, he's Jewish. So, we know these things. And, uh, but Jesus still showed him love. How? When he came to his house, he, he bypassed everybody else to come to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was not just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector, he, which means he has actually had tax collectors that answered to him, that came to him. And I think we need to look at how a person gets the job of tax collector back then. The Romans would go into an area. Let's say that this, they just took over this Louisville's first assembly, okay? We got about 150, 200 people, all right? And they would say, we need somebody to collect the taxes here, because we're not going to do it. You, you people get our taxes, okay? 
and they'd put up bids. And it'd be like a construction company would have to bid for the job, you know. And the person that got the highest bid, unlike construction, the lowest bid, the person that had the highest bid would win the bid. So they would, somebody would say, well, I can get $1,000 out of these people. And somebody else would say, well, I can get $1,100 out of these people. And they, the Romans would take the highest bid. Whoever can get them the most money, that's who they'd get with. And uh, so it's really a tough thing because you end up having to be able to collect that much money. You know, if you can only collect $800 and you told them $1,000, you still owe the $200, okay? But Zacchaeus, he was wealthy. Anything over what he told them, he got to keep. If he said $1,000 and he collected $1,200, that $200 was his. So that's why people were becoming tax collectors. Even though it was going against their own people, they still became tax collectors collectors because there was money to be made. And uh, he was wealthy, so he was probably taking a lot more than what he should have been doing, you know. And uh, he'd been doing it a while, obviously. So what else do we know about Zacchaeus? He was short. He was short and he was Jewish. Okay. If you overlook this, you might see why Jesus showed Zacchaeus love. If you don't I knew a guy, short guy, and I met him, you know, he was probably in his 20s, and when I met him, I would not mess with this guy, all right? This guy had muscles on muscles, all right? He was a bodybuilder, but he was short. And from what I found out is that in school, kids picked on him pretty bad, you know? And so what he did is he went out and he became, took up bodybuilding. Now nobody picks on him, okay? So you might wonder, maybe Zacchaeus, maybe that's what, why Jesus showed Zacchaeus love. Maybe he's seen what Zacchaeus had been through in his whole life. You know, Zacchaeus, maybe he'd been picked on. I mean, he goes up to the crowd, and they won't even let him through. He's short, and he's trying to see over the crowd, and they put, look down, nope, I ain't letting you in. Looking at him, I'm not, these people were mean to him. Well, he's a tax collector now, they don't like him, but what were they before? Why did they, why did he become a tax collector? We don't know. But if, Maybe he was because he was picked on. Maybe he'd go to play sports and they choose somebody else and when it come down to him, they're like, well, I'm gonna play shorthand before we choose him, you know? You know, that's just, uh... so he now has the whole Roman Empire behind him. Who's picking on Zacchaeus? Who's picking on him? Nobody. You're gonna give him this money or he's gonna say, hey, this guy, he knows he owes me this much money. You need to go get it. So the people did not like him, but Jesus saw something in Zacchaeus. Jesus saw something. Now, he bypassed all these people. He walked through all these people, and all of them are yelling his name, shouting, Jesus. And he goes, nope, not you. That one there, Zacchaeus. He's the one I'm going to stay with tonight. He's the one that I'm going to go to his house. And uh, had uh, the other people looked on the outside, and Jesus saw what was inside. And so sometimes we need to look at people, not just, we need to start looking at different eyes. So that's Zacchaeus. That's one of the people Jesus showed love to. And uh, uh, again, Jesus saw, maybe saw what Zacchaeus had been through. The other person I want to look at that Jesus showed love to is the uh, adulterous woman. And that's in John chapter 8. 
My third person we're going to spend a little bit more time on. The first two we're going to go through pretty quick. The third one we need to look at. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead and read uh, John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. And uh, see if I can find it in this little text. My, I'm using Darren's book, and it's very small text. It says, but, when, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before him, before the group, and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus went down, bent down and started to write on the ground with his fingers. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stopped, stepped down, stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither, neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and have your and leave your life of sin. That is some small text. I'm really struggling. <laughs> so what do we know about the adulterous woman? Well, either she was married or engaged to be married because she was in, caught in adultery. And uh, the other thing I, from reading, I really don't believe she knew who Jesus was because she called him sir. And I, I looked it up. And uh, where people called Jesus sir, and uh, I think I counted five places, and all of them are in the book of John, where Jesus was called sir, and four of them did not know who Jesus was at all, including this woman, and the other one, he kind of knew, but he wasn't a believer, and he was very rich, so it was probably hard for him. Most people called Jesus rabbi, teacher, lord, or something, but... People that didn't know him, they would call him sir. So she had no idea who this was that had just rescued her from being put to death. And the way Jesus showed her love, he showed her love by not condemning her. Because he even said, let him who is without sin be the first to cast stone. Well, truthfully, he could have stood up and been the first to cast stone because he was without sin. But he didn't. He said, I don't condemn you. He says, you go and just live your life without and leave this life of sin. So the question is, what did Jesus see in her that would make him love her enough to, you know, even knew to be there at that time? We don't know much about her, but we do know that uh, she was committing an act of, that was against the law. And uh, these people, she, they were going to put her to death. So she was committing an act that was against the law that actually carried the death penalty. So what would cause somebody to be willing to do that? I mean, imagine if this country right now, if they made it against the law to commit adultery. You know, would we see less of it? We might. But uh, maybe Jesus saw who she was married to. Maybe she was married to a, uh, somebody that was just cruel. 
And she was just looking for somebody to, to show her love. She, maybe she never even experienced love. Maybe her family sold her. Who knows? We don't know anything, but she, she was going against the law to be with somebody and commit sin. And, uh, you know, she, I believe probably some kind of, uh, she was being led by uh, the wrong spirit, and uh, he was saying, this is better than anything. You need to go, this is what you, would please your flesh. And uh, so that's what she was doing. She was pleasing her flesh. But Jesus still seen something in her. He still showed her love. He didn't condemn her. He didn't uh, say, you know, that's, uh, that's wrong, or he did say, leave your life a sin. He didn't go into this whole sermon on why. He just said, you know, she knew that she had done wrong. So we don't know a whole lot. But I did uh, learn something kind of cool about this. If you read your Bible, this, we know Zacchaeus gave his heart to God, to the Lord, right that day. He became a follower of Jesus that day. But it doesn't say this woman became a follower of Jesus. All right? Nowhere does it say. We don't know what happened to her. There's nothing people speculate, but we really don't know. But if you look in, my, like my Bible here, has a little note up at the beginning of chapter 8. This is kind of interesting. It says, the earliest manuscripts of, and many other ancient witnesses do not have John 753 through 811. A few manuscripts include these verses wholly or in part after John. So what that means is uh, the earliest writings they can find, the earliest manuscripts of John, does not have this. So it may have been added later. And when I was doing my studies, uh, I was reading commentaries and stuff. Many believe that uh, this woman probably went out and told this story to people. And this story had been passed on so much. And it was such a great story of love and Jesus' love that they added it. And they just found, put it in John. They just put it there. Because it's not even in kind of like John's writings. They say it's more like a Luke's writing more than John. But it was such a story that had been passed on. So did this woman give her heart to Jesus? Don't know. But we do know that she told people. She went out. And I can imagine. You know, we think of, it's kind of hard. We, you know, we like uh, Christian uh, rock groups. My son loves Skillet. It's hard to believe that anybody outside would never have heard Skillet, the group Skillet. But it, even back then, there was people that had never heard of Jesus, you know. That was a culture. The people, there were some that were looking for Jesus, but there were some people that never even heard that there was a Jesus or that he was walking. So I can imagine that this woman probably went to one of her friends and they started saying what happened. And one of her friends says, describe this man. Because he probably heard of Jesus. And he's like, do you know who that was? That was Jesus. And he may have started witnessing to her. So what do we know? Jesus showed this woman love. And maybe he did see that she would someday give her heart. And uh, um, become one of his followers. And you never know. We may get to meet her someday in heaven. And uh, uh, what's kind of interesting, too, is the fact that the Pharisees brought this woman into the temple. And if you know anything about the temple, it's kind of a holy place. I mean, when Paul went to the temple... They accused Paul of taking a Gentile into the temple. 
And here they are bringing a, some, a sexual sinner into the temple. So does it, they really care about the temple, or they care? They were just cared about their own agenda. And that's what they, uh, all they were worried about, how they could uh, oppose Jesus. And so I kind of believe that this woman probably did. She did, I believe, give her heart to Jesus. We'll never know until we get to heaven, but the fact that she went out and was telling people what Jesus did is a pretty good indication. She might have she became a follower, and uh, that's pretty cool. But it's, uh, just studying these word, the, God's word in depth, gets, you really start to learn things and spending more time in prayer. And, and uh, I would have never thought of that except for God start dealing with my heart and showing me things, and it's like, wow, that's cool, God. So that's the third person, or second person. The third person we're going to spend a little bit more time on. There's, and this person, I believe Jesus probably showed more love to than probably anybody. I really do. I believe that he showed more love to Judas Iscariot than he showed to anybody else. And I'm going to explain why I believe that. So the first uh, uh, section I want to read is uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. It says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the name of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, another tax collector, isn't that cool? James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. I want to read Luke chapter 22, verses 3 and 4. You've got to read all this to get the whole... I can find it. I had it marked. <laughs> then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve, and Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. So we're going to find out there Satan actually entered Judas. And then we're going to look at one more scripture. And that's in Matthew again, chapter 26, and it's verses 47 through 50. Matthew 26, one page over. There it is. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. So like I said, of the three people, I believe Jesus probably showed Jews more love. Here's some things that we know about Judas. He, probably, he was one of the first, he was one of the first 12, so he probably spent around three years with Jesus, going around. 
Um, Jesus gave them power to do miracles. So Judas not only had seen miracles, he was actually able to do some. He was with him when Jesus would go privately and reveal the meanings of the parables. So he actually learned from Jesus many of the truths and what they meant. Uh, some of the miracles that Jesus, uh, that Judas saw was he saw Jesus feed 5,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. He, uh, he was there when Jesus walked on water. Uh, he was even there when uh, they pulled a coin out of the fish's mouth. Peter pulled a coin out of the fish's mouth. So Judas had been there the whole time, seeing all these miracles, and yet he was able to do something so terrible. How? My question is, did he ever really love Jesus or believe in him? I think there might have been some love there. But, because uh, he had his chances to leave. If we, let's, matter of fact, let's read John chapter 6. This, uh, I have a lot of scripture, I'm sorry. It's just what God was dealing with my heart. And, showing me things and saying, look at this and look at that, and I'm like, wow. So, I'm going to start with uh, verse 60, and I'm going to read to verse 70. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. So, like I said, I believe Judas may have loved Jesus, but... I don't think he truly believed. And even he said, many of you don't believe. Jesus said that. And he had his chance. There was a lot of disciples were leaving. But Judas chose to stay. And uh, it even says there, Jesus knew right from the beginning. He knew when he met Judas, this is the one that's going to betray me. He knew. He knew. So why did he show Judas extra love? I don't... He knew Judas's outcome. I mean, the Old Testament, you know, we can go back and read the uh, prophecies that pertain to what Judas was doing, going to do. He knew what Judas was going to do. He knew the outcome of what was going to happen to Judas. He knew that uh, that night that he betrayed him, that Judas was going to try to give the money back. He knew, he knew all this. He knew that Judas was going to commit suicide. And he knew this from the very beginning. He knew where Judas was going to spend eternity. And this, this hurt Jesus to know this. 
You can't do anything about it. Couldn't do it. But he tried. Even Jesus, when he, on the night he, before he was crucified, he prayed, God, if it's your will, take this from me. He prayed, God, take this cup from me. And from the time he met Jesus, I believe he probably showed this man more love. It's kind of like a love when you see somebody, you're, a loved one's on the deathbed, you know, and they're dying. And you just know they only have so much time left, and they're going to be gone. And you just comfort them, and you, no matter what they do, they just, they can't do anything wrong. You just, oh, okay, you know, you just show them that kind of love. And uh, he probably showed Judas even more attention than their other disciples. And we don't see that in the, other, the Gospels because, I believe, believe me, these disciples were hurt by Judas. They were hurt. They didn't write too many good things about Judas. We don't see a whole lot of writing in the Gospels about Judas. And every time you do see it, it's usually the one who betrayed, betrayed Jesus. So we don't know. So how do we know that Jesus showed uh, uh, Judas a lot of love, and a lot, maybe even more love? There's another scripture. Got to go to scripture. We got to back this up. We have to back up what we're saying with scripture. So I'm going to look at Mark chapter 14. And we'll read 17 through 19. It said, when evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. Then I want to read... Uh, John, I want to go to John. So all of them said, surely you don't mean me, right? That, that's the part I want you to catch on that. And then we're going to go to John. We're going to read the same story in John, chapter 13. It's the same time. And 21 through 30. After he said this, Jesus was troubled in his and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. We're talking about John. Simon Peter motioned to the disciple and asked, and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Jesus took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, quick, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas has charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. This one always got me, the scripture. Why didn't they believe it was Judas? Why didn't they believe that he says right here, I'm giving the one I give this bread to, he's the one that's going to betray me, but not one of them believed him. They all know that it can't be Judas. Yet they questioned themselves, Lord, is it me? Oh, it could be me, but it can't be Judas. Isn't that strange? Doesn't that seem kind of strange? Lord, it can be me, but it can't be Judas. Why not? 
Why didn't they believe it? Like I said, I, I believe Ju Jesus probably showed Judas more love. But we're not going to see it because these disciples were hurt. They were hurt by G Judas. What Judas did hurt them. And they didn't have a, once he did what he did, and they didn't have another good word to say about him. Nothing. We even read where he would take money, and Jesus, why didn't Jesus rebuke him? Oh, Judas, it's kind of like your child, you know. I just know that he, where he's going, and it's not good. I, I, I gotta, I'm going to try. Jesus was still trying up to the very end. Up to the very end when he called him friend, he was still trying to convince Judas to follow him, to not do this terrible thing. He wanted Judas, because Jesus doesn't want anybody to perish. And uh, even when Jesus, I, so we know this, that Jesus, I believe that Jesus loved Judas and showed Judas a lot of love. And we see it, I, we see it in the scriptures because even the other disciples didn't believe that it was possible for Jesus to be talking about Judas. And I always question, why? Why couldn't they believe it was Judas? What was so great about Judas? Well, when you think about it, Judas was the one he probably showed the most attention to. But John, we say, say, well, John's the one he loved. Yeah, John's the one. But he couldn't take G Judas up on the hill with him when he was transfigured. He couldn't do that. So he probably sent Judas to, uh, to go buy stuff for the poor. He always sent Judas, showing that I really care about this guy. But he couldn't take, he knew. And... Uh, The fact that Jesus showed this man love. And uh, I want to look at this some more. See, Jesus, I'm, we're looking at these three people Jesus showed love to. And we're going to look at why I chose these three, why God put on my heart these three people here in a few minutes. But we know one thing about Jesus. Jesus came to be an example. And we're to look at the scriptures and see what Jesus did. And we're to know that he's our example. What he did, he loved these people. Guess what we should be doing? Loving these people. And uh, I want to look at a scripture on love. It's the love chapter. Everybody know where the love chapter is? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Yeah. And I want to read the first three verses. This is Paul speaking. And he says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. You know, I have... That was kind of interesting about this chapter. It's right in between chapter 12 and chapter 14. In chapter 12, what's Paul talking about? Gifts of the Spirit, which we're a Pentecostal church. We believe in them. All right? What's he talk about in chapter 14? Gifts of the Spirit goes right back. To chapter 13, if you read it, Paul's saying this is a warning. You can have these gifts, but if you do not have love, what good is it? What good is it? It's not good. So, 
Without love, it's worthy. So what kind of love are we talking about here? We're going to, this chapter 13 is a, the word for love here, and we've talked about this in this church, is agape. Okay? I looked it up. Um, the word agape is a Greek word, and uh, there's actually four different types of words for love in the Greek language, and the word Paul wrote here is agape. And uh, so I looked up some definitions of agape. And uh, the first one is, agape is a sacrificial love that voluntarily suffers inconvenience, discomfort, and even death for the benefit of another without expecting anything in return. Sounds like what Jesus did. Remember, he's our example, right? Another definition. A love so great it can be given to the unlovable or unappealing. It is a love that loves even when it is rejected. Sounds like what Jesus did, doesn't it? What he did with the three, especially with Judas. He knew, he knew Judas was going to betray him right from the beginning. There was no, we've seen that, he knew it, but he still showed him love. It's a love. And, uh, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 1 because this is what got me. This is where it gets to your heart. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice of God. What's that mean? We are to do as Jesus did and love as Jesus did. Jesus came down, set in his example, showed us how to love, showed us, even showed us who to love. If you read the Bible, you'll find that Jesus was more, he cared more about the people that were out in the world more than, he would, he would go out to the world and show them love. And But those that were in the churches, the temples, the Pharisees and stuff, he would rebuke them. He would uh, be more irritated with them. Why? Anybody know why? Because they did more damage to the kingdom of God than anybody. When we take on the name of Christian and we go out and we don't show love, that's damaging to the kingdom of God. How many have ever heard this statement? If that's what a Christian is, I don't want any part of it. That shouldn't be. People wanted what Jesus had. They wanted that. He, he just wa they wanted to be near him. Why is it so important that we have this kind of love now? Even more now. The word agape is used another, in another scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 24. And it's the same word, the same type of love. Like I said, this is, a, this is Jesus talking about what, the signs that we should, we'll see in the uh, coming of the days, these last days. What signs? To, well, here's one of the signs you're going to see. Matthew chapter 20, 24, verses 12 and 13. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. 
but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. That's agape love. I used to think when I read that, I thought, well, yeah, I see the world, man. There's a lot of hate in the world. It's a lot of hate. You know, there's not much love out there. I mean, he's not talking about that. That's agape love. That's the love in the church. He's talking to the church. He's saying the church will grow cold because of the things that's taking place. And we see it. We see things that are happening. We see a lot of evil taking place. But we need to really examine our own hearts now more than ever. Examine your hearts. Do you love? Do you have agape love? And that's what was happening to me. God was showing me things. And uh, he showed me these three people that we looked at. And these three people represent three groups of today that we struggle with, that we struggle, and even as a church, we sometimes grumble against. And uh, see, Zacchaeus was kind of like an, a, politi he was a politician. He worked for the government. And we grumble against our government. We say how evil the people are. And you know, truthfully, they are, but you know why? Because they're being, they have demonic forces uh, that are leading them. Sorry, they don't have a Jesus in their heart. That's what's going to happen when you don't have Jesus in your heart. You're going to give over to the devil. He was ex they accept bribes and they do whatever they can to make themselves rich. That's all they care about, many of the politicians. But Jesus showed one love. He showed Zacchaeus love. This guy didn't care about anybody. These people heard him. But Zacchaeus, he showed love. Why? Because he knew Zacchaeus' heart, and he probably was where he was because of the way things had happened in his life. He saw something different than what we saw from the outside. What about the adulterous woman? She brought sexual sin into the temple. We have groups now that are pushing their agenda on us, and we grumble about it, and we say things that the church shouldn't say. They're still people. Even though they are not, they're pushing things and they're trying to get us to go against the word of God and they're making us angry, they're still people. They're still souls. Jesus saw Judas Iscariot as a soul. We should see him as souls. And without Jesus, there, there is no salvation. And their life is going where Judas went. And uh, I, I even said something. If Jesus was walking this earth today, I think you'd have probably a better chance of seeing him walking down the street beside a gay man than you would many of the church leaders in this world. Because that's who he went, came here for. He came here for the lost. He loved them. And it broke his heart to see any lost so what about Judas Iscariot? Judas Iscariot represents the, uh, the groups that are coming into this country, bringing their religion in, and wanting to do nothing but hurt the body of Christ and do away with it. And that's what Judas did. He tried to hurt the body of Christ. And uh, Jesus still showed him love. He prayed for him. He even told his disciples, I pray for you. He prayed for Judas. 
He showed him love. If you don't think these people need Jesus, we've seen a couple, many have seen the couple on the news that was interviewed with their son. They lost their son in combat 12 years ago. They lost their son. The mom still to this day can't talk about it. You know? It's because they don't have Jesus in their heart. Jesus comes in and helps with that pain. And these people of law will not know what true peace is, not know what true joy is unless they accept Jesus. And what got me, this is what really got me and when Jesus, he started dealing with me, is what happened down in Orlando a few weeks ago. I felt almost good that the one that was the perpetrator was killed. And God said, that's not right. We should not have that feeling. That's a soul that's gone. That's a soul that was just like Judas, filled with demon, demon-possessed, and did that. That's the only way you can do that. I'm sorry. It's the only way you can do something so horrific is to have. And God said, you can't be like that. That's not the way the church is supposed to be. The church is called to act like Jesus. Jesus loved. Jesus showed nothing but love his whole time he was here. Everywhere he went, people wanted to be near him. Why? Because he was love. So my question is, we need to search our hearts. Do you have agape love in your heart? Loving people no matter what they are or what they do. Do you have that in your heart? Are you willing? Because Jesus died for, he, he knew Judas. He knew what Judas was going to do from the beginning. He knew, and he still was willing to give his life for us and die for us. So we need to examine our hearts and make sure we're not the ones grumbling. That, that cannot be the church. The church cannot grumble. Prepare your hearts. It's going to get rough. But Jesus said, those that keep love will be the ones that will be saved. They'll endure. The ones that endure will be the ones that are saved. He said, the love of most, most, meaning more, more than are saved, will grow cold. Make sure your hearts aren't growing cold. Make sure your hearts are where they need to be. Look outside and see the people going down the street and think, wow, why aren't they, why isn't, aren't they in church? Why aren't they giving Jesus respect and coming to his house to worship him. They need it. They don't, we see people, you ever see people walking down the street just as grumpy as can be? They don't have Jesus. I seen an obituary one time, I was looking for one, I seen this lady had a smile on her face, I said, wow! Just looking at her obituary, I knew she had to be, there's something about her. And I looked and she was a member of Pastor Dan's brother's church. I just seen the peace of God on her. We need to have that. Make sure you have the peace of God on your face, loving, willing to show love, willing to... Because I'm not, it's not going to get easier. The Bible doesn't say this is birth pains, and nobody likes birth pains. They get worse. But the ones that have love will endure. So, I like You've been listening to a sermon from Louisville First Assembly. For more information, visit www.
www.firstagonline.com. That's www.firstagonline.com.